in relationship with Jesus. I mean, there's people from North Africa, South America, Europe, all these places across the world, people coming home. And I have to wonder who is spiritually alive and living for Jesus and who doesn't know him at all and are spiritually dead. So even as we keep thinking about the state of the church across the world, where someone um, looks at the church and sings, and some of them are on their last legs, what is it then that can bring life to all these people? What is it that can bring life back to the church? I mean, I couldn't help but think of the hope we have from the prophet Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel who was given this unique vision from God. Perhaps you know in Ezekiel 37, we see this vision. God brings the prophet out to this dry and desolate valley. Where all he could see are these dead and dry bones. That should be on the screen as a picture. And he looks at all these dead and dry bones. And after emphasizing how really dry this valley is, God asks him in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's like, surely it's only God who knows the answer to that question. I think that's how we would respond as well. But then God tells him to do something. Verse 4. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God was basically telling Ezekiel to preach to these dead bones. And then in verses 7 to 10, we see what happens because of the obedience of the preacher in the vision. Let me read it. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. You see, in this dramatic time of despair, where the nation of Israel feels hopeless because of exile and the oppression of Babylon, God is going to give them some hope. God was going to give these dead people some hope. A nation and people that represented these dead dry bones. Because God says He's going to give them life. In verse 14 it says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. But how exactly is God going to do that? Because the emphasis I want to make is not so much on the, the when and the who, but on the how. How are these dead bones going to come back to life? It is through the powerful, life-giving preaching of God's Word. God uses this vision and the, the prophet Ezekiel preaching to these dead bones to speak to a nation that would not listen to Him. And brothers and sisters, God still does the same today. God still speaks to us 
through the ministry of the pulpit of His Word in the church today, where people are brought back to life because of hearing the Word of the Lord. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. And being sustained by the Spirit. We come now today to our second message in this new series where we're asking, Why do I love the local church? Our aim in this series is to help all of us consider why the church should take central stage in our lives. Last week we started with a big picture view of recognizing that we love the church because we know that God loves the church. And we saw that God loves the church so much because of this amazing expression of love between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, where God has always had a plan for the church to call out a people to Himself. And He promises that nothing will stop that plan because Jesus gave His life for the success of the church. In other words, if there's one guarantee in this life, it is this, the church of Jesus will not be stopped. And if you've been coming to Living Hope Church, then you will know that the primary thing we do when we come together is to sit under the preaching of God's Word. We don't gather every week for just a time of fellowship, to drink coffee and talk about what's going on in our lives. We don't gather every week to just sing some songs and feel all energized because of our time of worship. Yes, we do all those things. But why give so much time to listening to the preaching of God's Word? Why don't we just read a passage or two and rather spend our time to sing and to fellowship and to pray? It is our primary conviction that the Word of God drives everything that we do. Because people who love the church have a great expectation that God will use His Word to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. Because today we're going to see that the primary way God builds His church is through the biblical preaching of His Word and how urgent it is that we need to let His voice be heard. In a world that doesn't want to listen to Him or distorts that it, what He has to say, we need more biblical preaching. Or maybe in the words of Jesus, the church is to be the, the gathered community of people who make the gospel of Jesus known to the ends of the earth by teaching people to observe all that God has commanded through His Word. That's Jesus' instruction at the end of Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. In fact, if you look at Scripture, you will see that throughout the Word of God, it is through His Word that God has always been creating what He wants to create. Leading who He wants to lead and sustaining those He wants to sustain. And therefore, as we come to think about church and why we love the church, we recognize that we love the church because it is where we hear God speak and where we find life and the sustaining truth for our souls. I want to show you why the biblical preaching of God's Word is so important in everything we do as a church. I want us to turn to 2 Timothy. 
Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 4. Paul is coming to the end of his ministry. He has fought the good fights and it's almost time for him to go home to be with the Lord. And he has given this, his new life in Christ and everything he has for the gospel and for the advancement of the church. And Paul is someone that has seen the effect the proclamation of God's word has had in the world and specifically through the church. And so as he writes his final letter, he wants to exhort his protege Timothy to make sure that he keeps the main thing the main thing when it comes to the ministry of the church. Because the reality in Paul's day, as it is in ours, is that people don't want to listen to the word of God. They only want to hear what they want to hear. And they only want to do what they want to do. In fact, the sad reality is that for many people who do actually go to church, will say, yes, I believe the Bible, but they don't really know much about God and what the Bible actually says. And so Paul is passionately exhorting the young preacher Timothy, to make sure that his main focus in the church and in his ministry is on the preaching of God's Word. So from our text, I want us to see how Paul focuses on the biblical preaching of God's Word, and he's going to indicate, firstly, the importance of biblical preaching. Secondly, the expectation in biblical preaching. And then finally, the urgent need for biblical preaching. So let's read together. Second Timothy chapter 4, and we'll start reading in verse 1. Paul writes, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching years, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will return away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. You see, the context of this relationship between Paul and Timothy is so important. Timothy is going to be one of the men through which God will continue to build His church. There's this handover taking place from the ministry that Jesus gave the apostles that Paul now is entrusting to Timothy. And what is the charge of a dying man who wants to see the church of Jesus flourish? The main idea behind our text is this first imperative in verse 2 where Paul says, Preach the word preach the word if you're going to do anything timothy then do this declare and explain god's word faithfully and accurately and paul is so serious about this that he gives timothy this weighty charge here in verse one actually there's no other weighty charge like this in the bible and so this charge helps us to consider firstly the importance of biblical preaching. The importance of biblical preaching in the local church. Paul says, I charge you. 
in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by His appearing and His kingdom. You see, to charge someone is to exhort them with all seriousness and conviction to make them feel the weight of what you're about to say. Think about it like a wedding. It's when the officiating pastor gives this charge to the couple who are about to make this lifelong covenant toward each other in marriage to help them recognize that they are making these promises toward each other in front of God as their witness. But Paul here is taking this charge to a whole nother level. Paul points out that biblical preaching is so important because God the Father and Jesus are witnesses to His preaching ministry. And not only does He charge Timothy in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, He highlights three important aspects of the return of Jesus to motivate biblical preaching. You see it in these words, judgment, appearing, and kingdom. In other words, Timothy should remember that Jesus is going to be the one who in the end judges everyone. Not only those who hear and don't hear the word of God, but also those who proclaim it. In John 5:22, Jesus said, The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Later in that same discussion, John 5, 27, Jesus said that all authority to judge has been given to Him. Why? Because He is the awesome Son of Man that Daniel 7 was talking about back in Daniel 7, 14. And to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. And so Paul is like, in the light of the fact that Jesus is the ultimate judge and He's coming back soon to establish His kingdom that will not pass away, you have a very, very important calling, Timothy. The church has a very important priority. You see, Paul has already explained in his first letter to Timothy the importance of sound teaching and of guarding the good deposit and of handling the Word of God, the sacred writings, with accuracy. All because of the importance of the ministry of the Word of God. And so what Paul is basically saying is that the ministry of the Word is to be exercised in the awareness of who God is and what He's busy doing. The ministry of the Word is to have this active awareness of the presence of God and how majestic and holy He is, and that because of His holiness, He's going to judge the world in perfect righteousness. And the weight of that judgment and the longing for His coming kingdom helps us to feel the weight and the importance of biblical preaching in the church. Which means... If there is such a weight on the one who preaches, there is also a weighty responsibility on those who listen to the preaching of God's Word. Isn't that why the author of Hebrews says it so well in Hebrews 13, 7, that the congregation must pay attention to their leaders? Because further down in verse 17, they are keeping watch over your souls and those who will have to give an account. 
You see, biblical preaching aims at pleasing God and not man. This charge from Paul to Timothy is to help him realize that each sermon he will preach, he's preaching before God and he's never out of God's sight. Biblical preaching is important because the one who prepares and the one who listens understands the internal implications of what is transpiring when God's word is faithfully and accurately proclaimed. And so think about it. Even in a church where there's maybe just 50 people, it might be that those 50 people are enjoying the blessing of having a life and knowing God and growing in holiness because of biblical preaching that helps people to understand who God is and how they can be more like Him and that He's coming back soon. Where maybe a church of 5,000 people might look impressive, but no one's really changing. People not growing. Because the focus is not on the Word of God as much as it is on the life management strategy to help you cope with life and all its challenges. Of course, that's not true of all the big churches out there, but for many, not even far from us, down the road, week after week, all you get is this motivational speech or some kind of thought that came from somewhere in the Bible. For some, which... Maybe you have experienced yourself, the guy's up front and all he's talking about, all these visions and messages he got from the Lord as he was trying to think about what he would say in his sermon on Sunday. Now, early in the days of Israel, God told Jeremiah in chapter 23, 28, let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. We want whoever steps into this pulpit or is sent out by this church to have the same conviction that the biblical preaching of God's Word is the primary means that shapes everything we do as a church. It requires men to proclaim it faithfully in the presence of God, and it requires people who hear it to apply it to their lives faithfully, knowing and expecting God to be at work in them through the preaching of His Word. But what exactly should you expect? What should we expect when we're talking about biblical preaching? First, we're emphasizing, or Paul is emphasizing, the importance of biblical preaching by giving the serious charge. But now, secondly, the expectation in biblical preaching. What should you expect? He says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove rebuke and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Paul basically says, with God as your witness and people need the gospel and Jesus is going to judge everyone and everything and my plan for the church is still on. His kingdom is coming. Dead bones are going to be made alive. Do what? Preach the word. And I'm sure most of you know that Preaching is another way of saying, proclaim aloud the Word of God. Correction ton logon. Herald the Word of God. And you see that there are all the, there's all these different imperatives in this one verse alone that follows this charge. But Paul puts preaching the Word first 
Because as one man says, Paul makes the preaching the signature of the Christian ministry. Paul makes biblical preaching the primary focus of Timothy's ministry. But what's the difference between preaching and biblical preaching? I mean, most likely everyone who's ever been to church, or every church you've ever attended, had someone standing in front saying something at some point. And the reality of our day is the authority of God's Word is constantly being attacked. You see it in churches where the so-called pastors declare that even same-sex marriages are not a sin or that homosexuality doesn't disqualify you from the pulpit. You see it when people claim to have all these extra words from God and they use those impressions as the same authority as God's revealed Word in the Bible. All of this and so much more, we can keep going and going, leads to the need for sound biblical doctrine and teaching in the church. And so even as we consider different examples of preaching in the Bible, we recognize here at Living Hope Church that expositional preaching is how we discover the foundational truths on which we can build our lives as Jesus builds His church. But maybe you ask, What is expositional preaching? One man defines and explains when he says, The purpose of expositional preaching is to understand the original author's intention in any given biblical text, and to explain to the current generation so they can understand it and apply it to their lives with the expectation of becoming more like Jesus. In short, you read, you explain, and you apply. It's not about sharing your own ideas. It's about sharing God's Word. You see the same approach from Nehemiah, back in Nehemiah 8 verse 8, where the Bible says, They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. I mean, Jesus did the same thing when having to explain the Old Testament and how He is the long-awaited Messiah to the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. Another example comes from Paul later in Acts 17, verse 22, which means what Nehemiah was preaching was the Word of God. What Jesus was preaching was the Word of God. What Paul was preaching was the Word of God. And what should Timothy and the church today be preaching? The Word of God. And not the ideas and words of man. You see, when you are committed to the principles of expositional preaching, where you recognize that every word in the Bible matters, then you have the best opportunity to preach what God is actually saying. Because it's not the preacher, it's not, it's not anyone here that gets to decide what to say. It is God who has already said it. As one man, David Helm, goes on to say, if we believe the Word of God has been inspired infallibly, and it represents the expression of God's mind, heart, and will, then we must be careful not to add or detract from what we have received from Him. 
So what should you expect when coming to sit under the biblical preaching of God's Word is not someone that adds his own ideas to the Bible, but someone that explains what God has said because expositional preaching pursues the meaning of the message given by God. Recognizing that God will honor His Holy Word because it comes from His holy character. Think about these Uber guys, you know. I'm sure most of us have maybe tried Uber Eats. Imagine this Uber Eats guy comes with this, this amazing biryani that you've ordered from your favorite Indian place. And he comes out, he opens up the biryani, he starts throwing tomato sauce on your biryani. You would be, what are you doing, man? You are spoiling my meal. You are spoiling my food. Well, in the same way, preachers are called to deliver God's Word and not add their own flavor or ideas or opinions to it because we have the sufficient Word of God. And we need to deliver that to the people, what has been delivered to us. That is why we take our time to work our way through the book, a book of the Bible, verse by verse, because through expositional studies and preaching, we get to... Experience a steady diet of God's truth. As we study the Bible like that each week, we know we are pursuing God's meaning and not our own. We become dependent on God and His truth and not dependent on the one delivering that truth. When we commit ourselves to biblical expositional preaching, we anchor our faith in the truth because it's the Bible that actually controls the preacher and the church and not the other way around. Because then we know if we sit under the biblical preaching, we have the backing of God. A church that is on fire and growing in their love for God and those around them is a result of God working through His Word. But another reason why we aim for expositional preaching here at Living Hope Church is because each message takes us back to Jesus. If the church wants to become more like Jesus, we need to preach Jesus. Colossians 1.28, Paul says, Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. If we want to see people mature in the faith in this church, then Paul says, proclaim Jesus. Preach Jesus. Because the powerful word that God spoke to bring all of creation into existence is the powerful word that became flesh and dwelt among us. So John says, John 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so as we aim to make God's Word the central ministry of the church, then we aim to make Jesus the central ministry of the church. Because in preaching Jesus, we hear the voice of the Great Shepherd. In preaching Jesus, we hear the voice of truth of authority and of power. The voice that calls people to Himself. The voice that shows how much we need Him and where we need to change. Because what does Paul say we should expect from biblical preaching? He says, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. 
Paul says when you hear biblical preaching, you should expect the Word of God to reprove you, to rebuke you, and to exhort you. In other words, when you come to church each week and you listen to the preaching of God's Word, then you should not be surprised if your false understandings are being corrected. You should not be surprised when you feel convicted about what God says and how you're thinking and living. I think many pastors can attest, faithful pastors can attest to have had people in the congregation come up to them after the service and tell them how convicted they felt about the message. As if it felt that it was God was speaking just at them. That is because God is speaking to us through His Word. Not only does biblical preaching correct our false understandings, it also rebukes us. It confronts our sin. It shows us where we have strayed from the truth and brings us back to repentance and the grace of Jesus. And perhaps you leave the church feeling encouraged because the Word of God has exhorted you. In other words, biblical preaching pushes us forward to live holy lives. It pushes us forward to live in light of God's great plan for the church. And it gives us the strength to keep on going. It encourages us, as the Word says, to excel still more. So every week when you come to listen to God's Word, you should have the expectation that God can change you through convicting you or rebuking you or encouraging you because that is how you can come to know Jesus and grow to be more like Him. But do you have that expectation? This is where the charge of Paul is so helpful because we must realize that one sermon doesn't necessarily fix all of our problems, right? Growing takes patience. Seeing people apply the truth and change takes time. That's why he adds with complete patience and teaching. In other words, Timothy preached the Word of God and recognized that being faithful to the Word of God requires patience, but also perseverance, because you need to declare the truth even when it's hard. Be ready in season and out of season, he says. Be ready to preach the truth no matter the circumstances. Be ready to proclaim God's truth even when you don't feel like it. Which means even hearing God's word, hearing His truth even if you don't like it. That's why biblical preaching and expositional preaching is so helpful to the preacher and to the church because even though the preacher doesn't want to say what God, God's Word actually says, it frees them up to stick to the truth of the text. Because sometimes the preacher will say what they think the text means because they don't want to admit what it really says. I mean, this happens with verses all the time where guys talk about the sovereignty of God or the holiness of God, verses that talk about the reality of sin and the, the judgment of that sin. What about verses that talk about the exclusivity of Jesus and how He is the only way to get to heaven? It's like what some people do with Jeremiah 18, 1-10. It talks about the potter and the clay. 
Some people, because they don't like the teaching that God is sovereign and can do with us as He pleases, change the idea behind the text, rather talking about the clay being willing to be molded. You have to be willing to be molded. But that's not the point of the text at all. The point is actually the opposite. That the clay is in the hands of the potter who will do with it whatever he wants to do with it. And the people of Judah were in the hands of God in the very same way. But if you're afraid of losing popularity with your audience, then it's easier to tweak the truth of the Bible. So it's easier to avoid reproving people and confronting their sin. And suppose, like, you must be ready at all times, Timothy. Ready to stick to the truth of God's Word. Keep exhorting people, encourage them, and do all of this with patience and teaching. Because it really takes time for people to grow and change. It takes time for us to process all that we hear through the sermons that are preached each week. But what we're aiming for is being consistent and teaching people the Bible and trusting God that He will use it to change us as He is building His church. Again, the word teaching is so helpful. Because it just emphasizes what is involved in biblical preaching. Because essentially, preaching is proclaiming the truth, and teaching is explaining the truth. And in biblical preaching, the goal is not to just tell you what the truth is, but also explain how it can change our lives and why we need it. And here's the beautiful reality of God's design in the church. You could be sitting at home right now and listening to far better preachers online. Do you know what? Those guys don't know you. They don't know your name. They don't know what's going on in your life. God has given us local churches with shepherds who care for our souls, who know where you need to be exhorted, who know where you need to be rebuked, who know where you need to be confronted. And so we get excited about the church and biblical preaching because each week I can expect God to speak to my heart and to help me grow. First, we talked about the importance of biblical preaching and this charge. Then we talked about what to expect in biblical preaching. And now finally, Paul points out the urgent need for biblical preaching. The urgent need for biblical preaching. He says in verse 3, For the time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Now, I'm pretty sure all of us would agree that the time Paul is talking about is here. The time is here where people are not interested and hearing the word of God that confronts their idols and their sin and shows them where they need to change. People are looking for places that will make them feel comfortable in their sin. Because people who love their sin naturally move away from the truth. Write that down. People who love their sin naturally move away from the truth. 
And this isn't just a problem in our day. There's been a problem for a very long time. Let me show you once again. The prophet Jeremiah laments when he says in Jeremiah 5.31, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule at their discretion. My people love to have it so. God explains the same problem through the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33:32. And behold, you are to them like the one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. People love to hear what they want to hear, but why? Well, Paul says it's because they have itching ears. They have an itch, they want to be scratched. It's like when I have an itch on my back and it's hard for me to get to, I have to call either my wife or one of the kids to come give me a good scratch, right? People do the same with the Word of God. They have this itch, this desire to hear more about how to be successful or how to be spiritual or have some sort of positive thinking outlook on life. And so they go to church, from church to another church, looking for the personal place who will scratch their itch. And even people who have been exposed to sound biblical teaching can develop new itches. And then they don't like to be confronted by the truth of God's Word. So it's easier to do just what? Walk away. Walk away and go somewhere else. As one man says, people drift away from healthy teaching to suit their own passions. Emphasis on passions. And what is so striking for me is that people accumulate more and more of these kinds of people who will tell them what they want to hear. It's like you get used to eating junk food and you can't stop eating the junk food. You just want more and more and more of it. So much more of it that you forget what the good stuff tastes like. Because the desire is not to grow spiritually but to instantly satisfy the cravings you have. To instantly satisfy that itch. And the thing is, people can be curious about Jesus and the gospel, but not really interested in the implications of what that has on your life. Again, it makes me think of Paul in Athens in Acts 17. He's there preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And then in verse 19 it says, And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what is this new teaching that you are presenting? For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what is these things, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. In other words, these people heard something new and interesting, and so they said, I want to know more. Tell me more. In fact, these guys were actually very religious. Paul says in verse 22, Paul, standing in the midst of the, this Agrippa's place, this, this, this place where it seems like a trial, he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Because in Athens, these guys had these objects of worship, and on one of them it said, the unknown God. But guess what? Now Paul is there, 
And he wants to make known to them the true God of salvation. And to do that, he is preaching Jesus and the resurrection. He is preaching as someone who knows that God is his witness and that Jesus is the judge of everyone and everything. Because in verse 30 it says, The times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by rising him from the dead. Raising him from the dead. And you have this mixed response to this message. Verse 32. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom were also Dionysus, the Eragopite, and a woman named Damaris, and other with them. You see, some people hear about Jesus, and they mock him. Others hear about Jesus, and they're interested But they're not fully convinced and eventually they move away to follow their own desires and the myths that line up with their own passions. But others hear about Jesus and they believed. Because the church is being built through the biblical preaching of God's word. And there is an urgency in our day like there was in the day of the prophets and the days of Jesus and in the early days of the early church where the truth of Jesus Christ needs to be proclaimed. Because the thing is, false doctrine might make people happy for a moment or two, but true doctrine makes you holy. True doctrine makes you holy. In a time where people are only interested in what is comfortable where they don't want to hear about commitment and giving yourself to the local church and to truth and studying the Bible and reaching others with this truth. We need more biblical preaching because that is how God is truly building His church. And if you want to avoid wandering away into myths or developing unbiblical itches, then you must know and believe your Bible. And seek the meaning of the original author. You must know and trust your Savior. With all these different voices around us today, we need to clearly hear through biblical preaching, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Jesus. I love the local church because it's where I get to hear the voice of Jesus. A divine voice that tells me we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, Ephesians 2.3. A divine voice that tells me it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, Hebrews 9.27. A divine voice that says, For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins in accordance with what? The Scriptures. That we, He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians 15.3 
a merciful and gracious divine voice that says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10. The dead bones will come back to life. That a sinner like you and me can be right with God, with this holy God, a holy God who speaks to you through His holy word. Or as the Apostle Peter says, you always have hope when you stay close to the word of God since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. 1 Peter 1.23 We need biblical preaching because God calls us by His Word and He sustains us by His Word. But He uniquely speaks to us when we sit under the biblical preaching of His Word together. So the natural question I have for you right now is will you make hearing His voice through the biblical preaching of His Word a priority. Last week I asked you to evaluate your attitude toward the church because it reveals your attitude toward Jesus. Today I'm asking, what is your attitude toward His Word? Because your attitude toward His Word also reveals your attitude toward Him. If you say you love the church, is it because... You love His Word. Maybe today's message helps you recognize that you have not made listening and studying God's Word a priority in your life. And perhaps it's because you don't come to church expecting to be reproved, rebuked, or exhorted. You don't come to church expecting to change. Maybe you recognize that you prefer to come to God's Word and hear what you want to hear. Instead of submitting to what Jesus says. Let me just emphasize again that all truth, all authority, and all power does not belong to any preacher. It belongs to the Word of God. That's why we make it a priority each week to preach the Word. The Word of God that saves, the Word of God that sanctifies, I love the church because God is building His church through the biblical preaching of His Word. So again, in the words of Paul to Timothy, preach the Word. Preach the Word. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You so much for Your Word. In fact, we know that even just a few verses before this one, Paul writes to Timothy and says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Lord, this is our desire, to preach your word faithfully and accurately, because your word is the central ministry of your local church. Your word that saves, your word that sanctifies. And one day, Lord, you're coming back to glorify your people. Thank you that we have your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.